every year I get the opportunity to do the same thing. Every year I get to tell you about love in action. I get to on December 25th celebrate Jesus showing us love in action. There was this state of humanity where we all as people were not closely connected to God. We were far from him. And every year I get to celebrate that God saw our pain, saw our brokenness, saw an injustice, and he said, I am going to respond. It was an act of love that God stepped into our world, understood the pains and things that we wrestled with, and then said, I will take all pain, all hurt to the cross. I get the blessed opportunity to every year remind us of that reality. And it is off of that reality that all of Christianity spans out. It is on the reality of God coming into this world and dying on the cross so that we might be able to experience joy, victory, and justice. And so Jesus is the ripple or Jesus starts a ripple effect. My kids and I used to, uh, probably about a year ago, we would watch all of these uh, YouTube videos of dominoes. Somehow we got into dominoes and it would be uh, thousands of dominoes lined within a gym, but it would start with one. And it would send a sea of dominoes going all these different ways. Jesus is our model and his actions start how we all fall in line trying to replicate his actions. And so we understand love because of God, because of Jesus. In 1 John 4, 19 through 21, it says simply, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And so MacAF Community Church, we are trying to be an expression of love, not because we all know how to do it. We get it all right. This is something that we've created. No, we are trying to model the follow that G, mo, follow the model that Jesus has set before us because he started the action of love. And then you, you, you see in the scriptures this, 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 this uh, kind of setup for Jesus. There's this this uh, uh, Sadducee incident that happens and the Pharisees try to corner Jesus and they say to Jesus some kind of, you know, jacked up terms in Matthew 22. They say to Jesus uh, with this kind of lawyer dude that's trying to catch Jesus up and, and, and see him fail. They say, teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We have uh, allowed this year's vision time to be set on Acts 2.42. And then we kind of broke that down, right? We said the two principles that we are focused on as a church for this year are loving God and loving others. And then there's those four ways that that gets fleshed out through fellowship, teaching, prayer, and evangelism. And our goal is to invest in two people over this year of 2020. Love God, loving others. It's the principles by which we do life, right? And so this church was founded by those types of principles. Our church has been a church that has said we are not simply gonna, gonna try to be a church that has a Sunday-only experience. We want to be immersed in the lives of one another as well as our neighbors because we want to love God well and love others well. And so we have everything from fellowship groups to uh, we try to do some uh, cultural conversations. Uh, we also 
live near one another, many of us, right? Believing that doing life together will allow us and encourage us and equip us and empower us to love God well and love one another. But sometimes loving one another is, is means that you have to step outside your normal rhythm to do so, which is what Jesus did, right? He had, he had a mission. His mission was to come down and go to the cross, bring in a, a new community, a new covenant as it were. And so sometimes loving one another looks a little bit different. It, there's a missional posture and the church understands this because every year we send missionaries all over the world for missions experiences. And what will happen is a church will go into this community, be a blessing to that community, and then they come back and what do they do? They report back to the church family what they experienced on the mission trip with the hopes that it will spur on the church to being loving to God and loving to one another here locally. And so fam, even though we have not recently had a team go out to another country or something like that for a missions experience, we've had a team of folks and many of you who I'm not even aware of respond with a missional posture because they saw and injustice. They saw something take place that actually broke their hearts. They saw a devaluing of black people. And so in seeing that they saw an injustice and they said in injustice demands a response, just like Jesus entered in and responded. And so Family, we, we had some folks within our church fam. Some folks have responded in a variety of ways. What I want to do today is actually allow uh, our time of worship to be a little bit different. Because usually when we have something take place within our church, uh, you can opt in to listen. If, if we have a mission team go, someone will give a, a one-minute celebration of it. And then we'll say, if you want to know more, check out on Wednesday. Not today. Actually, today... As I was praying and seeking the Lord, I felt like the, the heart of today's message needed to be heard from the voice of people who have been trying to respond on the front lines in some different ways. One of those ways has been through some protests. So today we have a video that's gonna comprise how some of our folks that went to go to D.C. and protest and some folks that were local that protested. But but protesting is a response for justice and mission combined. Justice that you want God to respond in a way that would bring him glory and mission being the human response coming together. And I want you to hear from the mouths of those who've gone. And so we're going to have it flow a little bit differently today in that today's worship, uh, some of the celebrating of, of godly truth is going to come through in a video format. And then I have some, some, some ending words to help bring everything together. We invite you to, to join us and view what Elisha and Mike have spent a ton of time helping us communicate. I pray you're blessed by it. I'll be back shortly. To pray for the mothers. I'm a mother, a grandmother, and I teach. Nobody wants their child to be taken away from them, whether they're an adult, a child, or anything, Lord. It's not right. They have been taking, we've been taking our children since slavery, Lord, since 1619. Selling them, killing them, lynching them, Lord. Just come, stop God. Them. Come, stop Lord. Them. Yes, they Lord. No mercy in their hearts, Lord. Ahmad Aubrey. Ahmad Aubrey. Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice. 
Chapter 9, verses 7 through 10. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. James 3, verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. To just, to just pray, to just display some righteous anger. To stand in solidarity um, with my African-American brothers and sisters um, who've had to deal with centuries of injustice to make a stance against systems that hurt minorities. To answer the call 
of my brothers and sisters and my family. To show physical solidarity with my black brothers and sisters. To speak out against injustice. To give another view of the church's response to racism. To show my kids that they're equally created in the image of God and that their futures shouldn't be different based on the color of their skin. So the Monday before we traveled down to DC, federal authorities had violently scattered peaceful parishioners from the steps of their own church in order to make way for the president who wanted to take a photo op in front of the church, hold up a Bible, and otherwise pander to white American Christians like myself to show strength. I went to DC to protest that act of blasphemy and to repent and lament of white American Christians' complicity in systemic racism and white supremacy in this country and in all the acts of racial violence that have been perpetuated against my black brothers and sisters. Definitely to be uh, a physical symbol of um, our God's, our great God's nearness um, to his beloved children um, who are hurting right now. To demonstrate that the fight against racism is not just a white and black issue, that non-black people of color have to own the anti-blackness in our communities and fight alongside our black brothers and sisters. To proclaim God's heart for black lives by adding my body and voice to the protest in a way that was explicitly Christian. And to do this at our nation's capital to hopefully build some momentum and make some change. myself and others that black and brown people are created in the image of God and that our experience should be on the level of everyone else created in the image of God. I went to the protest because I wanted my voice to be heard and my presence to contribute towards a reality or towards the hope that all people can experience peace, man. That people should be able to have a similar experience. And sadly, the experience of many people of color has not been one we feel like we're treated equally with our white brothers and sisters. And so I went to stand, I went to march, I meant to, went to join uh, people from all over our city. I couldn't believe how many black people were out then I couldn't believe how many white people and people from all different ethnicities and cultures were out walking, marching, chanting together, saying enough is enough, that it is time for us to have a new reality for minorities. That reality can no longer be one where people are losing their lives because of their color. So I was standing for that. I was marching for that. I was joining with uh, people from all over my city and truthfully people from all over the world uh, in believing that that day has to be today. riots and all the, the church burning down and uh, I just didn't know what to expect um, 
So I was praying very hard for the Lord to just go before us and just help us on this mission to um, be a peaceful voice, to be a, a righteous voice. Um, and he, I saw that, I saw that for sure. Mm. We got down there, it was, we got to pray with people, we got to march with people, it was, there was no violence, there was no, there was anger, but it was righteous anger. There was, it was love, it was just, it went so well. So having been the one who invited others from Mac to join Edith and I in our trip to DC, I felt especially and uniquely responsible for ensuring that the group stayed together during the weekend and also stayed safe and returned home to Detroit. I had read the reports about unmarked military police lining the streets, and I had heard about how protesters had been subjected to all kinds of aggressive and violent tactics like rubber bullets, tear gas, flashbang grenades, and more. However, thanks to prior protests, our group encountered a very minimal police presence, and that really short-circuited the opportunity for violent confrontations. You know, despite what the media had been portraying, so much of the protests, and really the protests around the country, have been peaceful uh, in the absence of police confrontations, and that was our group's experience. By the time we really got to the epicenter of the protests, particularly in the afternoon, which is on 16th Street, uh, the street that the mayor had renamed Black Lives Matter Plaza, we encountered what I think could best be described as a righteous block party. There was music, there was food, chants, and a great deal of camaraderie and unity. So when I think about the protest and, and my fears, God didn't have to keep us safe, but he did. And along the way, he gave us a great deal of hope and peace and a lot of love for one another that showed up in our shared prayers, shared meals, and shared protests. And in the end, we all came back to Detroit safely. Over the weekend, I saw um, God's grace uh, over and over again uh, through the, the joy that a lot of the protesters felt in solidarity, uh, joy they felt um, in being able to come together in community, um, even though it's a time of hurt, it was a time of mourning, um, there was still joy and solidarity in community. Um, because I think people saw that this fight for justice and liberation um, connects a community, um, that it it's a global fight, that uh, the fight for black lives, the fight for justice and liberation in China. Um, folks were fighting for justice and liberation uh, across the world and in different homelands. That through this protest, we saw that this is a global struggle, uh, that we might be fighting for different things, but it is a fight for justice. Um, that, I feel like, united a community. Um, and there's, there's a lot more work to do, uh, but even in, in these moments of, in, of joy in the solidarity that we shared as a community, hopefully is one that can continue. Despite what the media was saying, uh, I was grateful that I could take my family to one of the protests and see so many beautiful families there. I mean, some of the media were saying that protesters looked like this and were all out rioting and looting and something powerful happened at, at the protest with my family. It actually was a silent protest. I, I saw uh, in both protests that I attended, I saw MAC members there and that just reminded me like of the beautiful community that I'm a part of, but that that community um, is so diverse, but we all are unified and being about uh, justice. Uh, but while at this protest, my children were able to see uh, the power of presence when people unify, but also the power of silence when we meditate on, on God and on injustice and how this march uh, needs to be representative of a lifestyle that is standing and marching for justice uh, after that day ended, uh, before uh, the for unforeseeable future, that we will continue uh, to be voices of justice uh, in a world uh, that is broken.
praying together was powerful. Um, when people gathered with us and we were all able to pray together, mm -hmm. um, just the sorrow and the anger um, and the love that was there um, was just breathtaking and so emotional. Um, yeah, I loved, I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Just having people that we didn't know just coming up and praying with us, seeing people that are praying and coming and joining arms around us and loving on us and hearing their words, hearing their encouragements for what they were seeing and what they were hoping for. That was cool. But I think for me though, was going on 16th Street, which was renamed Black Lives Matter Street. And I didn't understand what that meant, like going there, because I don't really know much about DC. But I didn't know that that's like literally the street that runs into the White House, mm -hmm. runs to the front of the White House. And to know that that street is named and painted huge, huge, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> and it's just like, that's crazy. Like, it's just a reminder every day to whoever's sitting in that office that Black Lives Matter. Because historically, people who sit in that office don't really care about Black Lives. So mm -hmm. I just think that's super dope. Mm -hmm. Like, that's crazy to me. As we continued halfway through the march, I went from holding a sign to represent my family and to represent my children to a sign that said, let's pray together. For me, it was a powerful, powerful moment. I believe that the Lord was leading me to be able to talk to the people that were at the protest to ask if anybody wanted prayer and to pray with anybody. And I was able to have about um, five to seven different individuals who wanted to stop and pray with me. It was, um, it was emotional and it was beautiful and I prayed with them. I prayed for them. They prayed for me. We have prayed for all the individuals. And I would say the most common beautiful thread was how everybody said to bring us together because we were made in God's image. Um, it was a powerful, beautiful, emotional time and a time that I believe God used for me and for my voice and to be there when I should be. While we were there, um, it was such a blessing. I felt like God really encouraged me through the presence of his people. There were many other believers there. Um, both with megaphones and signs and you could just sense the heart of the Lord for the brokenhearted. Um, yeah, I was really encouraged, um, especially when I saw people drawing attention to themselves, but not to just point out another chant or um, talk about statistics, but also to really encourage people to see that God wants us to treat one another as holy and part of his pur purpose and plan and his creation and that when we also desire the heart of God, then we can really see change and reconciliation. One of the biggest takeaways from my time in DC was right at the beginning of the day when we went out to protest, we stopped to pray outside St. John's Church. It was a really, really powerful time of prayer. The Lord really met us there and he 
really allowed us, I think, to minister to other people as well. We had believers stop and pray with us. We had people stop and listen, people take photos. And I was encouraged just to see how the Lord met us in that time. Um, not only, I believe he really cared for each of us as we cried out um, to him, cried out for justice in our country, but my prayer is also that he would use our time of prayer in the hearts and minds of those who watched for Christians to be encouraged in their faith and for non-believers to stop and think that there are Christians who deeply care about justice, who deeply care about Black lives, and who deeply care about God's kingdom coming on this earth. So much of, of leadership and um, spiritual growth is being able to facilitate a, a, a space where people can do exactly that. People can um, grow and I'm really appreciative for Edith and Jonathan. Uh, I mean, they could have gone down to DC by themselves, um, but instead they gave us the opportunity to be a part of the conversation, to experience this for ourselves. And um, it was hard, it was educational, um, it was such a great learning experience. It's probably unlike anything I've done in the last year or so. There's great power in God's people moving together, even aside from participating in the protest. There was just such a great sense of unity and family as we were all traveling together for the same purpose and, and to stand against injustice together. And I think that's really important. The most important take this weekend from the trip for me was all the white people at the protest. I've been in protests in Mississippi, Alabama, South Carolina, Georgia, plenty in Detroit. I have never seen, it was more white people than black people there. Uh, and that just lets me know that is the Lord in the mix. That is the Lord. He is saying a change is going to come. Another thing that I thought was fantastic, young black men preaching the word confirming and lamenting and then giving you God's word and telling our other young people, modeling for them and telling them how to look for justice. And my biggest take on it was just being there with my church family. I couldn't believe that they y'all went out with me because sometimes y'all scary. But they came out with me and they were with me and I felt safe and it's just so good to know that my church family get it. And they were angry and they were crying like me. And they felt the pain that I felt. And right there, that's the Lord. That is nothing but the Lord. And um, that was God's grace on us. We didn't have any problems. We didn't have um, anything that happened, which I've had at protests. And I just, I just praise the Lord for his grace. And it was a, a fantastic weekend. It was one of those um, top five moments in my life that I will never forget. Thank you. Personally, I will never forget the experience of sitting with the rest of the team on the steps of the historic St. John's Church, praying forceful and tearful prayers together. Our prayers were prayers of hope, prayers of lament, prayers of courage, prayers of faith, prayers of longing. We, we expressed a faith that God would do what he says he will do, but also a deep grief in the brokenness of the world. And we said together that enough was enough. And over time, others started to join us, sometimes just with their presence and oftentimes with their voices too. The coolest thing was the whole thing kind of came to an end when one of the folks who had joined us, one of the prayers and protesters, began to sing a kind of delightful take on Marvin Gaye's What's Going On with lyrics that match the protest. And I just remember in that moment realizing that our team had really fulfilled the command that Paul lays out at the end of Romans 12. We had, as a team, encountered evil. And rather than responding with evil, we had overcome that evil with good.
a little nervous walking around DC with my sign that said Black Lives Matter to Jesus. Uh, mostly because I was nervous that people were going to roll their eyes at the to Jesus part, right? Like as if the sign Black Lives Matter is good enough and you don't have to add Jesus to everything. Um, but as I was walking around throughout the day, I was growing in conviction that this was a, a message that was worth proclaiming because Christians need to continue to be a prophetic voice reminding the world that Black Lives Matter because God says so, right? Because the world wants to say that Black Lives Matter because whites and blacks are so genetically the same or almost identical or because given the same opportunities, we all have the same great potential in life. But as Christians, we need to bring it back to the fact that Black Lives Matter because God created my black friends in His perfect image, right? Black lives are valuable because God knit them um, my black brothers and sisters, he knit in their mother's wombs. And that black lives are precious to God because he found so much joy at the thought of redeeming his white, Asian, and black sons and daughters that he endured the suffering of the cross. And so as a Christian, um, well, as my, my biggest takeaway was that as a Christian, we have to make our voice louder in these conversations, right? that the reasoning for why Black Lives Matter finds its root in the gospel, in the creation of it. Um, and that was my conviction, that we just need to be bringing Christ to the table more often in these conversations. That God values Black Lives and Christ is King. Those two messages should be spoken with the same breath. grateful so grateful that uh that that mike and elisha were able to capture the hearts of our people and the heart of this church it, it is a, a a beautiful thing when you can display what god has done and bring that into the worship experience where you can show how god has moved in a mighty way and allow other people to experience or at least get a taste of what you experienced. Love in action. You know, I said before that justice and mission for these folks that you saw in the video meant protest. Justice and mission equaled protest. But protest is one way in which justice and mission is fleshed out. But I believe that the overarching way that God responds from justice and mission combined is love. We saw God's love in action when he came into our world and said, I'm going to do something about this messed up system. And now some people responded with protest, which I think is a fitting way to respond. But if you leave this time thinking that this church believes the only way to respond with a missional posture towards justice is to protest, then you'll miss what I'm saying. Actually, the only way to respond with a missional posture towards injustice is with love. And one of the ways that you can demonstrate love is through protest, but it is always with love. 
You see that that love that Jesus models and shows us is something that can be fleshed out in a variety of different ways. And how you love, I can't tell you exactly. There's a beauty that the Holy Spirit does when he sees your heart break for something and you realize that's not how God intended it. That's not how it's supposed to be. And your heart breaks and then you say, Lord, what can I do? I want us to look really quickly at that Psalm 9 chapter, Psalm chapter 9, verses 7 through 10. Because it gives us just a, a few ways that we see God's love in action. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. Nobody's getting off. Part of God's loving expression towards injustice is to judge it. We will be judged and someday, maybe it's today, maybe some people receive the right, the judgment that they deserve today, but ultimately, even if it looks like evil is prevailing, ultimately evil doesn't win. Jesus will bring forth judgment. Evil will not prevail. So one of the ways in which God demonstrates his love is through judging. Another way he does it in verse nine is through, says the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressor, stronghold in times of trouble. He is our refuge. He is our safety net. I have learned this as I've had a chance to read through some of the, the beautiful uh, um, messages that people from the civil rights era wrote. Look at some of the sermons and prayers of Dr. King. You even look through, go back further to some slaves and their theology, their understanding of God. Was in spite of what I see, even in what I experience, God, you are still my protector. You protect my heart, my soul, and even if I am physically taken advantage of. I know that you still are a place where I can find rest. It is a it is a, 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 a something that that baffles the mind that Christians somehow in the midst of suffering or of persecution or of pain, we can still say he's a God of peace. See, God shows his love by being a stronghold, a place where you are protected, even in the midst of challenge. And lastly, verse 10, and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. He, he shows his love by being a place where your trust can rest where you can look at his principles and say, you are loving, you are good, you are steadfast, you are patient, you are long suffering, you are compassionate. All of these things we can find our trust in even when we look at a broken world. And so what am I asking you? I'm asking you to see this video and not say, man, I feel sad because I, I, I didn't go protest or not say, man, is everybody supposed to do that? No, no. What I want you to see this video and stop and say, what does justice and mission look like for me as I show the love of Christ? As I am called to, to be a person that loves God and loves one another, I cannot simply contain what God is birthing in me. My hope is that he's birthing something within you that, that as you see injustice and God gives you a missional opportunity to respond, you do so with love. That looks very different. If you're, a, if you're a person that's already a Christian, a person that's walking this walk, sanctifying yourself 
being meaning looking more like Jesus might look like this. Here's some ways that it might look for you. If you are a, a, a older person or one that is a bit more wiser in your years, it might mean you unmasking some of the pain of your younger days and you sharing some of the victories or some of the experience of injustice that you have faced throughout your life. Some of the pain that you have been through as a person of color or that you've witnessed see happen to people of color, like, like, like maybe your first investment is in the family and group in your home. And you start saying, we're going to have some conversations. Grandpa used to say some stuff that was jacked up and we don't believe that in this house anymore. Auntie walked in this march just like y'all doing today. And I'm sorry y'all still fighting for the same things, but I want you to know you ain't the first baby. You in Atlanta. You see, sometimes we got to pass this wisdom on. Maybe it means you get involved in some of the, the legislation aspects. Maybe the best way to channel your love in action is through seeing new policies come forth. I have a, a close friend in Cincinnati, my boy Hassani. He, he, he created a program, went to his police department in Cincy and said, basically, look, you guys are, are not understanding black culture. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in my black friends and I'm going to partner them with white cops. And they are going to have four different experiences, a few lunches, right? A few lunches. But one of the four experiences is going to be where I bring you into my community so you can experience life. So when you hear black people being loud, you know, we just kicking it. You don't have to be on edge and think that that's anger. He started this program so that white people would be able to understand some of the nuances of black culture and not be alarmed with the hope that, man, if I could help bridge that gap just a little bit more, it could save the lives of one more black person. You see, fam, I don't know what your action will be, but I trust that your action will be one that is out of love, having been modeled by Christ. But you got to do something. Something. Look with me at 1 John again. 1 John chapter 4. We read the first part of it when we started our time. It says, we love because he first loved us in verse 19. Well, look at the next two verses. If anyone says, I love you, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother, love his brother. Love is an action demonstrated by Jesus, and it's an action that he expects of us. It is an action that Jesus models and an action he expects of us. If you love Jesus, those are some of the ways in which you can, can, can consider what does action look like for you. But if you don't love Jesus, if you are hearing these words and it sounds like good human uh, efforts, good worldly values, a nice way to just live a good life, you're missing the bigger point. You see, the bigger point is that at some point you shall be judged as well. 
you will join me. And just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I escape judgment. We all will be judged. And the only way in which I can say that I know that I'm trying to love my brother is because I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean I'm perfect at it. It doesn't mean I'm the model. I am not the model. Jesus is the model. But if Jesus is not your model, you are hating. It's, it's, there, there's not a middle ground. There's not love in Jesus hating people and then just being a good person. No, you either love as Jesus would love or even on your best effort, you are hating your brother. And so I invite you today to pause, not think of how you're going to go be active, but pause and say, I want to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. I believe that he is king and that he has something better than I do. I want to love as he loves because I now recognize that he first loved me. Today, we offer you that opportunity to simply say, Lord, I want to live for you and love you even if I don't know how. Help me, Jesus. Pray a prayer that simple and then connect with us as a church as we want to guide you through what those next steps look like. Mac family, we pray that you've been encouraged today. Very different than any other service we've, we've ever had. But I trust that you've been encouraged to love with action. Let's pray. God, you are in control of all things, sustainer of life, sovereign. You see our joys and our pain. And right now our nation is in a place of pain and some of our people are hurting in a place of pain. Help us, Lord. But we are grateful, Lord, that you give us a way to channel all of that, Father, and we can channel the frustration, the anger, the sadness, the lament. We can channel it all towards action that will glorify you. Give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, lead. That we might be able to celebrate your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.